Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Matthew chapter 16, we started here last week and more. The Lord just keeps dealing with me, so I'm going to keep digging into this. It says, when Jesus, verse 13, Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias or Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now notice, even in that day, there was a strong belief in reincarnation. Amen. Reincarnation is not a relative doctrine, period. There is no reincarnation. You don't come back as another person. You don't get another chance. And you don't, certainly don't come back as a bug or a cow or anything else. <laughs> Amen. So they were wrong. And notice this. Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? Men got it wrong every time. You notice that? Every time, man got it wrong. Got it wrong, got it wrong. He still gets it wrong today. But now notice this. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Now that's an the most important question that has to be asked. But then uh, verse uh, 16 says, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjomer. Now notice this. This is so important. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now notice, revealed it unto thee. Now it didn't say God spoke that to him. It said God revealed it. Do you see that? Now this is a very unique, I really didn't realize the weight of what was happening here until the Lord impressed it upon my spirit. But you know, to hear from God in that day and hour was an awesome thing and not everybody heard from God. Actually, most people did not hear from God. It was still under that old covenant. It was still hearing from God was still unique to the prophet, the priest, and the king. Average Joe like you and me, we didn't hear from God. That, that did not happen. And just hearing the voice of God or having a dream or having a vision, that's one thing. But it's another thing to have something revealed. The word revealed means uncovered from the source. So that means that in the spirit man of, of Peter, who was a disciple, going to be an apostle, that in the spirit uh, uh, of Peter, God had visited that part of his being. And he had left a relevant deposit opening his eyes unto the reality of who Jesus was. Now notice, he didn't say you were the miracle worker or, or you know, you were the one uh, in, in which the virgin born Bethlehem. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. So that revelation was not of Jesus in his humanity. It was of Jesus in his deity. You say, well, what difference does that make? A lot. That's, don't ever take it for granted that, that what we teach and preach around here, everybody knows what you know. They don't. But if you've noticed, most of religion does not teach or preach Jesus in His deity. They leave Him in His humanity. They leave Him on the cross or in the manger. Amen? I mean, they leave Him either on the cross, still hanging on the cross, or in the manger. But in reality, today, He is the risen Son of God, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of the living God, and He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And if you know that, the same thing that happened to Peter has happened to you. You have been visited by God and God has left a part of himself in you, an essence in you that can be measured in the material but is very weighty in the spiritual. I heard something the other day I thought was really cool. 
a guy was talking about different realms. A guy who was a, a minister, he was talking about the different realms in the spirit realm and how in the Word of God there are four different realms that are, that are revealed. You know, uh, we know when we study the principalities, the powers, the spiritual uh, wickedness in high places, we know that there are uh, levels to heaven. The Apostle Paul talks about that. But he, he made this illustration I thought was really neat. He said, you can take a computer, uh, whatever they, they download uh, into these computer chips or whatever it is and weigh it like on a, 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 a kitchen scale or a male scale. He said, you can put it on there, you know, maybe it's the best made and you put it on there and it really only weighs about, uh, you know, uh, maybe three to four ounces. I mean, it's not really heavy. It, it weighs three to four ounces. He said, now you can take that computer chip and put it into a computer. Say, say it was a, 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 a good enough chip where you could download all of the information on the entire internet on that one chip. So say you've got that chip, now you pull it from the computer, you take it back to the scale, and you put it on the scale. You know what it'll weigh? It'll weigh the same thing. It'll weigh the same thing. In this realm, but in the information realm, it carries a heavier weight. There's no material measuring of the weight of that information, but how valuable is that information? If it's all the information that's in the world, all the medical information, all of the information about farming and food, all the musical information, all, all that information is very weighty, but not in that material realm where it can be seen upon the scale, but in the information realm. It's pretty simple to, to understand, amen? The same thing is true of the Word of God. You can take the Word of God and meditate on it. You can go weigh yourself on the scale and then you can read the whole Bible and go back and weigh. You're going to weigh the same. Either amen or oh me. Amen. <laughs> it won't put it on or take it off. But in the spirit realm, you've picked up some weight. You've gotten a little heavier. Some of y'all need to get a little heavier. Amen. You need to pick up some weight. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, Blessed, everybody say blessed. blessed. That word is empowered. Empowered art thy, Simon, Simon Barjon. Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father that's in heaven. Let me read it in my Passion Bible. I was looking at it in the Passion Bible. When Jesus came into the sustenance of Philippi, he asked the disciples this question. What are the people saying about me, the Son of Man? Who do they believe I am? They answered said, Some are convinced you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah's reincarnation or reincarnated or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, who do you say that I am? Jesus asked. Simon Peter spoke up and said, You are the anointed one, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are favored and privileged, Simon, son of Jonah, for you did not discover this on your own, but my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. So you have had, people say, well, I've really never had a supernatural experience. Yes, you have. The problem is you're trying to weigh it on the postal scale. Did you get what I just said? You're trying to pull a measurement out of that supernatural experience that does not, that does not register in the natural realm, but in the spiritual realm, you've picked up something very weighty. Revelation of salvation was the first one that caused the greatest miracle you'll ever receive, which is your salvation. Healing, prosperity, deliverance, righteousness, you name it. You can begin to add to that revelation that God reveals unto you by your willingness and your desire to have it. People that don't want it don't get it. 
That's why you ought to pray that prayer out of Ephesians chapter 1. That the eyes of, you know, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Now, let's take it, up, take it a step further. Now, notice this. This is all connected. And he said, he said, he said, he said and I say also unto thee, thou art Peter. Everybody say Peter. Peter. Thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, notice, everybody knows the church is not built on Peter. But I tell you, there's, there's some Christian denominations believe that it is. They have a statue of Peter in, in the Vatican in Rome that over the years they have kissed his toes off. Now, can you imagine how many kisses that takes to kiss some toes off of a stone statue? But they kissed them off. Amen? But there is no biblical nor historical evidence that Peter ever made it to Rome. None whatsoever. So he's not talking about building the church on a ministry gift. And we know this. He doesn't build the church on spiritual gifts. He does not build the church on ministry gifts. He does not build the church on, on, on good administrative gifts. He builds the church on the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not the one that the world has when it comes to the babe in the manger and the suffering Savior, but the one that God reveals to the heart of men. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But then he says this. He says, And I say unto thee that, I, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock... Now, King James does not carry, and neither does the English language. I know this is... Uh, uh, Cinco de Mayo, the Spanish language they call much more of a romantic language has its, uh, has its basis in the Greek and Latin. They, they say it's more uh, descriptive. I know that many, I've preached in many uh, uh, Spanish churches and, and I've preached in Nicaragua and Mexico and Honduras and all down through Central America. And, and many, of the, many, of the, uh, many times I've, I've finished a message and been back in the green room or back at the hotel and a pastor would say, you need to read this verse you were using. You need to read it in my Spanish Bible. I told you, read it to me. And it would always be much more descriptive. So we have to understand the true weight of this scripture is not really carried by either the punctuation or the English language. Because you would look at it on the surface and you'd think, well, God is, God is going to use Peter to build the church. But that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, Peter, you have received something from God. He has put the weight of another dimension in you. In you. And out of that weight... I'm going to show you who you are in me. And upon that rock... Now, when he said Peter, and he was talking to Peter, he was actually saying this, you're a little piece of the rock. But when he said upon this rock, he was referring to himself. And if you look up that word... It literally denotes the rock of Gibraltar, this huge, massive rock that is the entrance to the Mediterranean Sea. Massive thing. Amen. So what he was saying was this. Peter, you're just a chip off the block. And upon the revelation of who I am in you, I'm going to build the church. Then he says this. And the gates of hell. Now we talked about this last week. What are the gates? That's the place where the commerce goes on. That's where the place of the government of the city is. That's where plans are made and carried out. So there are what? Gates of hell. Places where Satan tries to come up with strategies against your life. Tries to come up with all this kind of stuff to do to the earth. And the Bible says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Who's he talking about? 
us, we are the church. It's not going to prevail against us. So let me just help you for a minute. COVID is not going to prevail against us. Financial downturn is not going to prevail against us. Nothing that, nothing that any political party, nothing that any, you know, communism, nothing, nothing like that is going to prevail against us because Jesus said it would not. Don't let it prevail against you as an individual. Don't let the fear of what's coming upon the earth. I heard some stuff the other day about, you know, different variances of the diseases and all this kind of... Listen, it's already been defeated. So we need to walk in its defeat and our victory. How do we do that? By the weight of that revelation that comes from the spirit realm, but is deposited in us for the purpose of what? Bringing it alive in this realm. Amen. The gates of hell, everybody say the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys. Everybody say the keys. Now this is where we left off last week. I shall give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in, loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, if you will, go, go if you will. Go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is what I call a good beginning to begin to bring into your spirit man and into your consciousness the true reality of this experience of life which we're all experiencing right now. We like to say we're doing life together. Our lives are short. The Bible talks it's like a, it's like a vapor. It's like a, a cloud that appears and is blown away. I mean, you know, we're promised 70, 80, 90, 90 100 years. I like what one preacher said. He says, live till you're satisfied. Because the Bible says, with long life, I'll satisfy. Live till you're satisfied. When you're not satisfied, then just go on to heaven. You'll be more satisfied there. Amen. God gave the human family a very interesting force that is still unique in the human family to this day, and that is the force of choice, the ability to choose. I mean, you can just about still, I know, I know we've uh, lost a lot of our freedoms in the past 14, 15 months, but still, you can still pretty much choose to do what you want to do. I mean, we, we're here in Texas. We're not in New York City or someplace like that. So pretty much you can, you can choose what you want to do. And, but, but with choice comes responsibility, and you take choice and responsibility and you put them together and you have consequence or outcome. Amen? That's just a part of growing up. That's one thing about growing up when you get, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, you think you know everything. You just know everything. But you're not willing to make the choices correctly because you don't have the mature responsibility in you. So many times you make choices without considering the consequences. Did everybody, anybody here do that when you were a teenager? Of course, none of you did. I'm sure none of you. But I heard in other churches there were people that visited from time to time. When people actually did that. Amen. I made a lot of bad choices and suffered a lot of consequences. Amen. But thank God the good choice of serving God, which is the most responsible choice you can make on the planet, brings the, 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 the righteous 
consequences or blessings of God into your life. Now, many times we think we are free to make any choice and we don't want to be controlled by anything, which is actually one of the biggest deceptions on the earth. Never before has humanity been as controlled as it is right now. Amen? So I'm, I'm free, I can do anything. No, you can't. You're not as free as you think you are. You can't go home as fast as you want, and you can't go home as slow as you want. In a car, amen. You might can if, you, if you're walking or running, amen. But, uh, you know, there's all kinds. We've got laws. We've got barriers. We've got perimeters. We've got all this kind of stuff. And what are they, what are they designed to do? They're designed to restrict choice for your own benefit, for the safety of us all. There's a lot of good reasons why, why uh, uh, a lot of good reasons why we have laws and boundaries and walls and perimeters in order to protect society. There's a lot of good reasons. Amen. That's why we don't, you know, settle things like they used to settle things back in 1875. You know, somebody bumps your car, so y'all both square off in the parking lot with your 45, and you know, whoever gets the fastest draw, you know. You laugh, but that's how people used to do that, by choice. Well, we've, we've, thank God we've grown a little bit. Hopefully we've grown a little bit. Amen. But you may, how can I say this without, well, I usually step on toes anyway. And really it's not your toes need stepping on, it's your brain. Amen. So we'll step on it. So many times we think we are free to choose. And then you get born again, you think you're free to choose. But in reality, the revelation of ownership needs to dawn upon you. Well, nobody owns me. Well, you're wrong. You're either owned by God or you're owned by yourself. And if you're owned by yourself, there's a, another owner, a subleaser <laughs> that is subleasing you making you think that you're making choices relevant to pleasure or whatever else you want to talk about, where in reality, you're probably more owned than you are when Jesus frees you and you come under the ownership of a loving God. Now, the Apostle Paul... Now, listen, we think about, you know, uh, and, and I agree, one of the ugliest blemishes on America uh, uh, was slavery. But back in the Apostle Paul's day, slavery was still a, a relevant industry booming in the area. They had every kind of slave you can think of. Uh, they sold and bought slaves in every city of the known world. I mean, it was just, it was just uh, a reality. And ownership was a very relative situation that was going on at that time. So he writes to us. Now listen to what he writes to us. Let me read it here in the King James first. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians, I'll tell you 1 Corinthians 6, right there, those last two verses, uh, 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God. Now notice this. And ye are not your own, for ye are bought. Now wait a minute. Now, what, what do you mean I'm bought? 
You are not your own. Now this goes all the way back to creation where when God created the man and the woman and he placed them into the garden, he relinquished ownership of the earth. But he did not relinquish ownership of the man and the woman. Amen? But what he gave them was a choice. And when they chose to disobey God, what happened was the ownership was transferred to what the Bible calls the God of this world, which is the devil. Now, these terms are probably easier for our generation to understand than previous generations. But when that happened, there was an automatic download into humanity. And when I mean download, I mean a download. It brought us down. Humanity fell. Sickness, disease, poverty, hate, prejudice, perversion, you name the negative character trait or experience it, it all downloaded into humanity. And Satan has taken the last 6,000 years to cultivate the negative desire of humanity in order to strengthen his ownership. Jesus came and died on the cross to do what? To repurchase. I like this word. I heard it in a, one of the commentaries I was reading. To force purchase. You know what force purchase means? It means you pay the price and then you take what you pay for, whether they want to give it up or not. So he force purchased any person willing to use their willpower and confess a new ownership. And on the, now listen, and on the confession of that ownership, this scripture reveals two things. Number one, God begins to see you as a temple. Your human body. Know ye not, you are the what? You're the temple of the Holy Ghost, temple of God. Now, you ought to go back and study the temple and what the temple was and how it functioned and literally all the different, the inner court, the outer court, and there is so much type and shadow of the human being, but the temple had to be cleansed. Every time there was activity in the temple, it had to be cleansed with the blood of bulls and goats, which was a symbolic cleansing looking forward to the day in which God would cleanse the true temple of God, which is the heart of those he owns. Now, that brings us to the reality of the will of man who has now become a son. Now, when I say man, I'm talking about mankind, not all the, uh, the men and the women too. The will of men who have now become the sons and daughters of God but still retain a strength over their willpower. Amen. You say, what do you mean? Well, you're still using your willpower in such a way that it's causing problems in your life because you have not fully yielded to the ownership of what God has purchased. 
That's where a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of believers are like, well, well, mate, what do you mean I'm owned? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm, because we have this democratic, uh, and I'm not talking about political affiliation, I'm talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, how governments are run. We have this democratic type, well, I, don't I get a vote? Don't I get a, don't I get this? Don't I get that? See, here's the issue. We still retain the right to think there are things we may think better than God can about us. So every time you make a choice on the other side of the will of God, where well, you should be doing this instead of this, and you choose to do this by choice, what you're doing is you're challenging ownership. Amen? You're challenging that ownership. And when you challenge that ownership, it's like anything else. There is an element of punishment. I have bought in my lifetime three wonderful Labrador retrievers. Cookie and honey and sugar. And I own them. I actually have, I actually have, uh, what's it called? The AKC, AKC pedigree, pedigree, registry, all that kind of stuff. I can legally show you this is my dog. Now, what I had to do with these little six-month-old puppies is I had to enforce my ownership in order to not teach them but train them. Amen. I'm trying going slow because I want you to get something tonight. And so I did not sit, especially honey, I did not teach her to sit so she could sit there and say, now, in, on page 19 of Water Dog, it says, you should come to my left, right side, and you should heal. I had to put a collar on that dog, and every day, repetition is a teacher. Every day I had to bring that dog around, and I had to, I had to put her at sit, tell her to heal, tell her to stay, all that kind of, and just do it over and over and over and over and over and over till she was trained, not taught. In the Word of God, you're taught the Word to train you. Let me say that again. You're taught the Word. And everybody's different. Cookie was, Cookie was, uh, Honey was a hard dog. She was an alpha female. When we bought Honey, we bought her sight unseen. Her daddy was the 1996 National Field Trial Champion, Razor Ruckus. Uh, Honey's name on her pedigree is Leah's Honey Ruckus. And so we thought we'd call her Ruckus. And after one day, we said, we are not calling this dog Ruckus again. She is now, she is now honey. We, were, we, we went up and preached in Central Texas. Then we had to go to Dallas. They were flying the dog from Atlanta to Dallas. And we're standing there. And they told us, you go stand over here, and this light will come on over, over the door. When it comes on, then you'll be able to and go, go pick up your oversized luggage. That's where your dog will be in a crate. Okay, so we're standing there. And so there's a couple standing in front of us, and this man is saying, Man, I'm telling you, we got on the plane in Atlanta and somebody had this little black Labrador retriever in a kennel and that dog was trying to take over the world. <laughs> Remember him saying that? And we were like, and then we could hear in the back, rawr, 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 rawr. 
We thought, oh my goodness. So I had to get me a horse corp. Y'all know what a horse corp is? Somebody you whack a horse with? And I had to use that for discipline to train honey. And honey, I mean, she hunted 12 solid years. Outside of the duck blind, she was a champion. In the duck blind, she was a horror. <laughs> if, if I had a group of hunters and somebody missed a duck, she would tear the duck blind down. And I, could, I couldn't stop. And we really never got through to her. She was her, people would say, is that your dog? I'd say, nope. <laughs> She's her own dog. She was that strong-willed and smart. Oh, my goodness, I never saw a dog that smart. Then, 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 then Honey went to heaven to live in our mansion, and we got Cookie. And so we started training Cookie, and Cookie did something, and I popped her with a horse corp, and she ran over the corner and cowered. And I thought, now, wait a minute. Because I'd whack honey, honey, and Honey'd go, Arr! I'd whack her harder, she'd go, Arr! Arr! But Cookie would run and hide in the corner. And so I got a book called Problem Gun Dogs, and I started reading it. And it said in the book, there are hard dogs and there are soft dogs. And we read through the book, and we found out Honey was a hard dog, but Cookie was a soft dog. And if you're going to train a soft dog, you can't do it with a horse corp or a, or a, or a shock collar. You've got a, you've got a good girl. Good, everything is good girl. Good girl. And they respond so well to that. And Cookie has been the finest retriever I've ever had. I mean, we sit in the blind hunt all day long. Never, I mean, she just goes, gets birds, and brings them back. Well, it's kind of like that in the church. Some of you are hard dogs. And you wonder why we're not always petting on you. Good boy. Good girl. Good boy. Good girl. <laughs> it's because you're a hard dog. <laughs> and then some of you are soft dogs. Amen. And you've got to realize God knows that and he knows just how to treat you in order to train you for you to realize and recognize ownership because when you realize and recognize ownership, then what God begins to do is he begins to download everything that he has and that he has the right to download into your life because of ownership. Amen. You belong to God. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid a price you could not pay. He shed his blood to purchase you. Then he said this, you are the temple if somebody were to come to you and say, uh, well, you know, uh, uh, I heard there's a temple around here somewhere where God's abiding, you ought to just go. Amen. And they'd say, no, no, isn't that a building somewhere around here? And you'd say, no. You know, like all these movies that say, you know, they, they're looking for the, uh, the uh, not just not in the movies. I even heard some of this on the news a couple of months ago where they're still searching for the Ark of the Covenant. You want to go find when they find it? Nothing. The Spirit of God is not in the Ark of the Covenant. You say, where is it? It's in the temple purchased by God. 
Let me say that again. It's in the temple, and he lives in he lives in male and female temples. He lives in Hispanic. He lives in he lives in white and black and, and Asian. He lives in every kind of temple of every kind of person on the earth. But in reality, you have to understand that God wants to maximize the potential of his temple by exerting his ownership, teaching you to be trained by him. And in doing that, what does he produce? Himself upon the earth. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against that. I said the gates of hell cannot prevail against that. Let me read it in the, I like it in the, how's my time? Oh my goodness, where does our time go on Wednesdays? Y'all eat it up too quick or something. I don't know what the deal is. Let me find the scripture here. Here it is right here. Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? Now listen, you don't belong to yourself any longer. Now there's the point about self. Because we think, well, I don't belong to the devil. I don't, I'm not a Satan worshiper. I'm not, a, I'm not this or that. Well, you got to understand self, you're of your, what did Jesus tell the Pharisees? You're of your Father the devil. He was just talking about the reproduction process that puts you into the human family that made you part of the world system. And that's why you can't ever get mad at, at sinners. Because they're, they're just what they are. They're just what they are. And they're just acting out and being taught and trained iniquity. Did you know it takes information to sin? You have to know where to go. You have to know what to do. Amen. All of these different variables do what? They create through repetition habits and addictions and all kinds of things that when you come to Jesus, you're saying, I can't live with this. No, I got to get rid of this, this stuff. I, I, somebody needs to buy me. Because who's got me right now is killing me. Amen. So now notice this. Notice this. Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? You do not belong to yourself any longer for the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside your sanctuary. <laughs> Listen to this. I love this. You were God's expensive purchase. He didn't get none of you at a secondhand store. None of you got, and you didn't get any of you at a garage sale. Every one of you were top rack. Y'all know what that is, right? Y'all come off the top rack. You came out of the Rolex counter, not the Timex. It's like a guy bought this big Doberman. The guy asked him, what's that dog's name? He said, Rolex. He said, why'd you name him Rolex? He says, because he's an expensive watchdog. You were God's expensive purchase paid for with tears of blood so that by all means then use your body to bring glory to God. Woo! Now this is, listen, this is one of the keys of the kingdom is to recognize ownership. And see, many times our minds, they, they go towards slavery or they go to other negative. No, there are some very positive things about ownership. 
Let me close with this. I don't have time to go to, to go into this next thing, but I will pick it up next Wednesday. The Bible talks about in the Old Covenant the bond slave or the bond servant. Because back then, you could earn your freedom by being a good, a good slave. So the Bible says of the bond slave or the bond servant, when he earns his freedom, he earns his, earns his, uh, uh, earns his right to, to leave the master's house because he's now free, a, free, uh, a free person. He can say to the master, I love my master. I love where I live. I love what I do. I'm kind of paraphrasing. I love what I live. I love what I do. And I do not want to leave my master. So the, so the Bible says you should take that slave and you should take him to the doorpost. You say, what do you mean the doorpost? That's where the blood was put during Passover. So you take him to a doorpost and you take an awl. You all know what an awl is. And you put it and you drive the awl through his ear, which is a type or which is a piercing type of, of, type of redemption, type of the cross. And you put a, put a ring in his ear and that ring will forever testify to everyone is that I had an opportunity, I had an opportunity to be a free moral agent but I chose to remain a slave to this master because this master is so good to me. Amen. That was a type of redemption is what that was. And you've got to realize when you got born again, God took you to the, to the doorpost and he put an awl through your ear. That means everything that was of redemption in which he was pierced, in which he bled, in which he offered blood, and everything that he did got downloaded into your life and you were saying to God, I now belong to you. And this is what's amazing about that. He allowed you to use your choice to come into a plan of redemption that he has already determined what the outcome is going to be. Now listen, I know there's a lot of people who got Calvinistic leaning. And I, even in Pentecost, they talk about, well, God allows this and God allows that. And I remember there, there was a real famous preacher, still alive today, has a huge mega church. And when he first began to preach, he began to talk about how whatever it was in life, however you came to God, if you were a prostitute or a drug addict or a proud businessman or whatever you were, that was God's path to get you to God. That is totally untrue. I mean, he, there were several books he wrote about it. That's totally untrue. That is not the relevance of, quote, predestination. Predestination is something set aside for every person on the earth who chooses to be purchased by the tears and blood of Jesus. And when you make that decision and that all goes through your ear, then God pulls out a predetermined plan for your life that was made for you from the foundation of the earth, God having faith in His Son that one day you would respond to the gospel. Now for everything the devil has planned to destroy you with, this is some shouting ground, God has on that plan of predestination your, revic your victory, your deliverance, and your supernatural recovery. I'm glad I'm not my own. I'm glad I'm bought with a price. Faith in that is one of the keys to the kingdom to help you understand 
Listen, you belong to God, so no matter what's going on on this crazy earth that the devil is doing, God's not going to let allow that to affect you. And if it does affect you because of your location upon the earth, God has already pre-planned your deliverance and recovery from that. Let's put our hands up and thank Him for that. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord God. Oh, you're so wise. You have so much wisdom. Oh, you're a great God, a merciful God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, go ahead and stand. You've been sitting long enough. Something that will help you is in every spiritual appetite you're developing or that God's trying to develop in you, you got to ask yourself whether or not you as one of God's children, whether you are using your willpower to muster submission unto God or to muster resistance to Him. To muster submission brings you deeper and deeper into that pre-made plan. To muster resistance pulls you further and further from God and that's where the devil can beat your brains out. So I, I tell you, every day, I remind myself who I belong to. Every day I confess the scriptures that talk about who I am, what I have, and what I can do in Christ. In me there's no good thing, but in Christ there's all good things. So submission, the Bible, therefore submit yourself unto God, resist the devil, and flee from you, which means there is a place of submission that when you get to it, there's nothing the devil can do because God has activated the greatest portion of resistance that a human being can walk in. I've, I've heard especially with one minister that I preach after that that authority and that resistance worked so powerfully in him that even other people that got around him he told the story of a man that traveled with him for two weeks as a diabetic as they were leaving town to make a trip to California he said I must stop by the I must stop by the pharmacy and get my insulin. And this minister said, you won't need it. For two weeks, he never had a shot of insulin. Ate cake, ate pie. Came home two weeks after the trip. That's for four solid weeks. No sign of diabetes. Then it began to come back on him. And this pastor said that. He said, when that happened, I got that man's book. I started reading that man's book on authority. He said, I started submitting to that. I started speaking. And he says, then I got free from that myself. But isn't it amazing? that through a man God has showed us you can walk so much in that authority and so much in that power that even people around you are affected by it. Amen? That's the way God wants us to live in these last days. Lift your hands up. Father, we worship you tonight. Thank you for the word of God deposited into our spirit, man. Thank you, Father. We are not our own. We're bought with a price. Lord, help us to have a heart of submission to you, Lord where your authority works in ways in which it's been generations since people have seen that type of authority released upon the earth. Father, as we, as is our tradition here at Island Church, we use that authority based upon your scripture to stand against calamity, trouble, tribulation, attacks of the adversary, declaring the authority of your word that no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels of God have charge over us. So, Father, both 
in the righteous labor of our hands and in our travels on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation for business, pleasure, or anything else. Thank you, Father. We are the protected of God. From any strategy of the enemy, canceling his plans, saying, devil, you are defeated and Jesus is Lord. You are under our feet in Jesus' name. Thank you also, Father, for an aggression in our heart where we wake up and realize that we are the light of the world. We're the salt that God has placed upon the earth. Lord, stir that fire of evangelism in us so that everywhere we go, our light shines brightly. So many today are fearful, have so many questions. Thank you that Jesus answers all those questions and that we're able helpers, laborers in the harvest of God that can help people answer that question. Whom do you say that he is? Fathers, we leave tonight. We walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. Thank you for our church. We walk in love one toward another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You have called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.